Wow, isn't that great? Nearly 100 young people and many of them not regular church attenders. And um, we trust, you know, this is the whole reason we put on all of these events. We want to share what God has done for us in our lives, the good news of Jesus, how he changes and transforms people's lives. His love is just so powerful and perfect. It fits perfectly in our human condition. And he has the most amazing ability to, to reach us, no matter how far we think we have drifted. And uh, it's great. Over this Christmas time, please be prayerful about all of the people we'll come in contact with. You know, sometimes I think we're just a little bit blind by our own lives. And uh, you could be sitting next to somebody this morning who's had the worst year of their life. But Jesus knows all about that. And he's been faithful to them. And he's been consistent for them. You could be sitting next to somebody who's won the lottery. Don't worry, it's not me. You're going to be all right. Okay, and you don't know they've had the best year of their life. It's been a fantastic year. Or someone who's fallen in love this year. Is there anybody who's fallen in love this year? I'm not looking at anybody. I'll keep my head down. I don't want to be accused of prophesying over anybody. You could be sitting next to somebody who's lost somebody very dear and close to them. You see, when we gather like this, all kinds of people from all kinds of lifestyles and experiences, we gather to this one person who sees everyone, knows everything about everyone in this room, and he has the most incredible love for each person on this planet. This is what God says about his heart for our planet. He says, for God so loved the world. That's, that's big, isn't it? God loves our world. I know you probably come across some religious people and they make you feel that God's a bit angry with the world or disappointed with people. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God so loved the world. And love is always an expression as opposed to just a feeling and he expressed that love by giving his only son and that person I'm talking about is Jesus and the reason he gave him that if anyone believes in him and that could be anyone in this room or anyone we meet over these next few weeks they would not you know spend eternity separated from God but they will experience the joy of knowing him personally for themselves. I hope you're praying for these events that we're doing. I hope you're praying for our city. Our city really needs Jesus. I mean, whatever's happened in the council, they've spent the money. But you know, in the kingdom of heaven, there is no budget. There's just blessings and fullness. And, uh, and I think that maybe, just maybe, God in his infinite wisdom wants the church to rise in these days and become far more of an answer to some questions people have about life. You might be the only Jesus people get to see this Christmas. I hope you're reflecting him well. I'm trying my best too. So we're going to look at a scripture together. It's been a little series we've been doing over the winter, over the winter. Feels like a winter, doesn't it? In the bleak midwinter, pastor kept on preaching. <laughs> we're going to be looking at uh, what I think is probably for me, one of the special scriptures around the story of Jesus coming as a baby, the Christmas story. If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Over these last few weeks, what we've been trying to do is look at what we would term as the first Christmas carols. It would seem that around the story of Jesus coming into our world, there were a number of people who were impacted by the power of the Holy Spirit and interacted with Jesus in some way, shape or form 
that are equally as much a part of the story, if not the central character. And I think the first week we looked at Mary and we realized that Mary sang this song filled with the Holy Spirit that caused her heart to just expand in this glorious way as she thanked God for all that he was doing in and through her. And then last week we looked at Zachariah, a man who had waited and waited and waited for a promise of a child and then eventually God blessed him and his wife, old in age, but blessed them with a child. And so this week we're coming to another person who's part of the Christmas narratives but actually perhaps not someone we have given much attention to. Luke chapter 2, verses 25 to 35, it says, There was a man in Jerusalem by the name of Simeon. He was a good man. Say good man. And very religious. Now, the translation is not good. That word religious means pious. Uh, Somebody who lived a holy life, who had considered his ways and actually lived in a devoted way towards God. It doesn't mean practicing religious things. It's not religion per se, but it's, it's the religion of the heart. Someone in love with God and someone devoted to God. He was looking for the time when the Jewish nation would be saved. I just want to tell you that when we come to the Christmas story, for the longest period of time, the Jews have been waiting for the Messiah to come. And they believed categorically that this Messiah would come and overturn all of the things that had in many ways hindered or hurt or harmed them as a nation. And in this particular time in history, the Roman Empire, which was a fierce empire, ruled the world. And the Jews were subjected to Roman authority. And if you know anything about how the Romans took authority over nations, it was brutal. I mean, we look at the cross of Jesus Christ and we see that as a horrific death, but actually it was commonplace during the time that Jesus lived. The Romans were brutal. Anybody who didn't bow the knee to Caesar and declare that Caesar was God would actually be killed. And and so while we look from a distance at this story, we want to remind ourselves that Israel needed to get out of that. They needed rescuing and they believed the, the people of Israel, but the Jews believed that God would send someone who would rescue them and they believed they would be rescued from the Romans. The Holy Spirit was on him. Let's pause for a minute and ask why that's important. I think what we've found over these last number of weeks in all of these little stories is that something happens to someone when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And the Holy Spirit touches this individual, Simeon's life, and everything begins to make sense to him. You know, I don't know where you sit on the reality of the Holy Spirit. I don't know where you sit on being touched by the Holy Spirit or filled by the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you, to truly be a Christian and live the abundant life that Jesus promises us, you cannot do that without a touch from the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit that makes the Bible come alive. It's the Spirit that causes our hearts to worship Jesus in truth. It's the Spirit that gives us love and affection for God that we can't get from ourselves. We don't have those resources in a human sense. Without the Spirit, we are often just people walking through some religious practice. But when the breath or the Spirit of God comes upon our lives, everything becomes new. Everything comes alive. It's like turning the color right up so that you can see all the vibrant spectrum of the nature and the character of God. 
And Jesus promised us that he would tell his Father to send the Spirit to anyone who would ask. I don't know if you're an asking person, but I ask for the Holy Spirit every day of my life. You know, when I first became a Christian, I experienced the power of the Holy Spirit in my car, but that's not enough for God. God wants me to live consistently under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit. The fact the Bible says this doesn't say be filled with the Holy Spirit. It says keep on being filled or be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And today, church, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Don't get too excited about that. I mean, Jesus went through all he went through to ensure that you could have the Holy Spirit. But God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Are you baptized in the Holy Spirit today? I'm not talking 1974 when you had a touch from heaven. Are you walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit today? Are you worshiping under the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit today? Are you serving because the Holy Spirit leads you in compassion to touch others' lives? You see, the one thing that we miss above all things is I cannot, you cannot be a Christian Living in the fullness of who God is without the Holy Spirit. What will happen is you'll just resort to the many things people do and it's called religion. We try and be good people. We try and change ourselves. You can't be transformed without the Holy Spirit. How can a dead man release a dead man from death? Only the one who is alive can bring life to those parts of our lives. You need the Holy Spirit. I pray all the time for this church. Because it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is by his spirit. And some of us are looking for answers everywhere else. We think if we know this or we understand that or we go here or we do this, that that will make us the kind of person that really attracts the attention of God. Let me tell you how you attract the attention of God by worshiping him in spirit and in truth. God is looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. And I can have my own truth and the world is full of truths right now. Everybody has an opinion, everyone has a perspective, but there is only one truth, and that truth is Jesus. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And no one can come to the Father except through him. And he has given us his Holy Spirit so that we can love God the way God loves us, with all of our heart, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength. And I think whatever resolution you're making as you leave this year and step into 2024, did I tell you it's the year of the open door? I want to just suggest to you that one of the things you should be seeking God for is a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. You need him, I need him to invigorate and to enliven and to wake up some of the dead parts of my spiritual life. I need him so I can love him. I can't love him without the Holy Spirit. I certainly can't serve him and I can't really know him without the Holy Spirit. I can just have head knowledge. But when the Holy Spirit touches a person's life, I have heart experiences with God. And I tell you what, church, a heart experience with God is better than all the head knowledge in the world. He loves you and he longs that you love him back. So at that time, the nation of Israel were looking to be saved. They were under the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And there's this man, this old man, this crotchety old man, probably a little like myself, to be honest. And the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon him, he speaks to him. He says this, that he will not die. Look at verse 26. Before he has seen the chosen one. 
In other words, this which Israel needed, it was a crisis moment. Historically, they believed it would come to pass. This old man, this faithful, loving God old man, this gentle old man, he was told something as the Holy Spirit came upon him. And that something is this, that he would not, he would not die before he sees the Messiah. In verse 27, he came to the house of God being led by the Holy Spirit. The parents took Jesus to the house of God. They came to do what the law said must be done. Then Simeon took Jesus in his arms. He gave honor to him and thanked God, saying, look at verse 29. This is his song. Now, Lord, let me die in peace, as you have said. Imagine writing a song, and that's your first sentence. I'm sure it's not going to be a great hit, is it? But what is happening here is this. Simeon is satisfied. Why don't you say that? Simeon is satisfied. I'm going to keep you awake today if it kills me. Or maybe myself if it kills me. Simeon is satisfied. You see, what I love about this story, and it's so important to us, is that Jesus is a sight for sore eyes. And Simeon is satisfied. Everything he wanted, everything he hoped for, everything he believed God would do in this moment becomes a reality. And you see, I think when you experience Jesus, when you experience the coming of the Lord into your heart, when you are filled with love and devotion for him, this world seems empty. This world seems chaotic. This world seems less important than the eternal reality of the God that you will spend that eternity with. I think too often we as Christians are very soulish about our lives. And if you go back to the New Testament, you'll find a truth that's a profound reality and it calls them to live very differently than you and I. They believed that Jesus would come back at any moment and they got their affairs in order and they lived with that as a priority. I think we've got so caught up with our lives this temporal, broken world has stolen our hearts. And it's about what we wear and where we go and who we're with and what we have. This, everything in it will fade. One day it won't be here. But what you have with Jesus is eternal. The Bible says, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. For there where your treasure is, your heart shall be also. A number of years ago, I, before I became a Christian, I met this little old lady. Her name was Molly. She was the auntie of the young man who led me to Christ. And he lived in America, and he asked me would I come and visit her in the old people's home. And, you know, I thought it would be a good thing to do, so I, I went. I used to go and talk to her. I wasn't really that understanding of what she was on about most of the time. She was a very deep old lady. And every time I'd sit with her and talk with her, she'd say, I want to go and be with Jesus. I just want to be with Jesus. And she would talk about being with Jesus like it was the greatest goal of her heart and her life. Every single time we'd sit down, we'd have a cup of tea together. She said, I can't wait to dance on the streets that are golden. I can't wait to be in this presence where all the sickness that I've suffered in this life is gone. I can't wait to behold him in all his beauty and his majesty. She talked about death in such fond terms. 
And I remember driving away from those things thinking, goodness me, she's got a death wish on her life. I didn't understand what she meant. But don't you, like me, occasionally think, take me, Lord? Is there not the odd day where you think, I could do without this? And if you've ever had sickness or gone through some trials in life, I don't like escapology. I think we call it eschatology in the Bible, but lots of Christians want to escape everything. I think there's a blessing sometimes when, from God when we're suffering. There's a blessing sometimes when we're persecuted. There's some things that we gain from those experiences. I'm not looking for an emergency, let me get me out of here, I'm a Christian kind of approach, but there are times in my heart when I'm worshiping and I catch a glimpse of the goodness of God and I think, wouldn't it be amazing today if I left this earthly place And I was standing in the presence of the Most High God. You see, the early church lived like that. They weren't holding on to their lives. They gave them to God. They weren't trying to to get a reputation and make something of themselves. They already had everything they wanted. They had the Christ, the living one, biding and fulfilling every desire of their heart. Every single good thing that you ever wanted out of this world is found only in Jesus Christ. You won't find it in your workplace. You won't even find it in, 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 in the world in which God has placed you. It's only found in Jesus Christ. He is everything you have been searching for. He is perfect love. Perfect love. He is pure of heart. He is gentle. He is the kindest person I have ever, ever met. You know, his kindness is so powerful it causes my heart to cave in. The Bible says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. He is so full of joy. Some of you could do with meeting him. You look miserable today. So full of joy. You need a fresh touch from the Holy Spirit. So full of joy. Jesus is so much fun. I know all of the people in the world want to make him look religious and, and you know, angry at sin and, and resentful to certain things. Nah, Jesus lives permanently and consistently as the joyous one. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. He came as the joyous one to bring joy to your hearts. Anybody like an upgrade? Come on, put misery to one side at the end of 2023 and adopt a posture of joy. And Simeon got that. He'd had enough of having enough, and he longed to be in the presence of the one. And yet the one he longed for comes to him. Look what he says. My eyes have seen the one who will save men from the punishment of their sins. Now remember, I want you to understand, Jesus is a tiny little baby. There's no big trumpet blasts here. Nobody is informing anybody about who he is. What's happening is Simeon is prophesying. He is seeing the very fulfillment of that which he believed for. Of all the days of his life, this is the best day. Now let me tell you a little bit about Simeon. Simeon was an older man. And every single day, he would get dressed, he would make himself clean and tidy, and he'd go to the temple. And he'd come to the temple believing that this might be the day. Maybe today God will fulfill the promise he's made to me. That my eyes will see the Messiah. Can you imagine living with that kind of routine? Every single morning as he's putting on his socks and getting ready for the temple. He goes, can you imagine how people would have perceived Simeon? Who's the old guy at the back? 
wandering around. Oh, that's Simeon. There might have even been scoffing and laughter and some kind of ridicule attached to him because Simeon had a promise. And in the shadows of the temple, as people came, tens of thousands of people came and went every single day because all the Jews in the world had to come to the temple in Jerusalem to worship Simeon somewhere in the background, but waiting, waiting, waiting for that which God had promised him to come. When I look at Simeon's life, I can see some things I could learn from. It would appear to me that Simeon waited well. He didn't detach himself from the temple. Two years, three years, five years, ten years, twenty years, maybe thirty years passed. And that which God spoke to him hadn't materialized just yet. But every single day of his life, he would get dressed. And he would go to the house of the Lord. You see... I think one of our problems in this generation is we don't know how to wait. God speaks and we want everything now. God tells you this is going to happen in your life and you'd like it by the morning. In fact, if he hasn't turned up by three o'clock, you're leaving Jesus and you're going to follow whoever else. We're living in this instant world where everything has to happen now. And you see, if God answered the fulfillment of the promise or the prophecy he gave to you now, by lunchtime tomorrow, you would have ruined it. Because there's something you need to understand about prophecy. Prophecy without process is pointless. And so God speaks and tells you, this will come to pass. And then he starts working in you. Then he starts developing your character. Then he starts making you ready. Because when the promise is fulfilled, he wants you not to ruin it in one day, but to be able to embrace it and to step towards the future that he has. And the one thing you can do to keep yourself attached to the promise is stay faithful to God. Keep worshiping. Keep believing. Keep trusting. I have met thousands of people in my life who take these prophecies that God gives them, these promises that God makes available to them, and they put them in the back of their Bible. They don't realize that every prophecy needs their partnership. And they need to be prepared for that which God wants to do. I wonder today if you're waiting well. I wonder if, like Simeon, you're faithful in your heart, coming to that place where God has called you to be, to keep your heart alive, which is his presence and his people and his church. If we don't learn how to wait well, we will find that we will be waiting forever. You see, your heart, if it's not looked after, if it's not inclined to God, will eventually settle into a place of staleness. Jesus promises us that our hearts are the wellsprings of our lives. In other words, everything comes out of the heart. And so if my heart is not in a good place, and I might be singing the songs and saying all the right prayers and doing all the right stuff, but God doesn't look at what comes out of my mouth. He looks at what's going on in my heart. And can I tell you, church, I'm telling you something you need to hear my heart here. I know that some of you, you have allowed your heart to become barren. I know, I can see. Let me tell you how I know, because when worship happens, you're distracted. When we call you to a place to give praise to God, 
what's happened in you defines how you respond in those moments. And your heart needs to still be hopeful even though you've been waiting 5, 10, 15, 20 years. If you want to know how the devil steals what God gives, he steals it from your heart. He causes disappointment, disillusionment, a sense of displeasure because it's taken God so long to do what God said he would do. And I may go through the motions of being a Christian, acting like a Christian, turning up in a Christian environment, but my heart will be far from him. Today, my encouragement to you is to get your heart where it needs to be. I believe today God wants to breathe life on people's hearts. This fresh touch of the Holy Spirit that I think we need, that actually is the one thing that changes everything about my heart. I don't know if you've ever been a place where you felt so hard-hearted and then you come to church and God begins to minister to you. Have you found in a second that that which is dead in you comes alive? Why? Because the resurrected one is the only one who can bring life to that which is dead. Listen to what he says about our hearts. I will give you beauty for ashes. You see, that which was burned to the ground in your life that stops you from living in hope, God has promised you beauty for ashes. Hallelujah, you miserable beggars. Hallelujah. I will give you garments of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You see, when your heart has been disconnected from the promise and you're not living with that kind of reality permanently, daily, Abiding in his presence, worshiping him, praising him, thanking him, just like Simeon was doing. If you don't do all of those things, you will have a heavy heart. You will have something heavy to carry because religion is heavy. Trying to live for Jesus without the Holy Spirit, that's heavy, man. That's really, I sound like a 70s guy there. That's heavy. That's really heavy. You can't do this. Don't you realize you can't be a Christian Unless the Spirit of God quickens your heart to love Him. You can't love God without the Holy Spirit. You can't worship God without the Holy Spirit. You can't even read the Bible without the Holy Spirit. Well, you can, but it won't have life attached to it. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is joy. Unspeakable, unquenchable, unstoppable joy. Are you waiting well? Are you keeping connected to the promise? Are you worshiping? Are you disciplined? Just like Simeon, do you come to church expectant? Maybe this is your day. Maybe today God will give you what he's promised he will give you. Maybe your eyes will see what they were created to see. Maybe your heart will experience the most amazing wonder and love and beauty. This could be your day. And I hope that your heart is ready. I hope that your heart is open. And I know life is hard. Life is hard. Isn't it hard? But God is so good. See, I've got to take my broken life and I've got to put it under my beautiful God. 
and let him wrap his beauty around my brokenness, then I can rejoice. No matter what's happening to me, I can rejoice because he is over all, he's above all, he's through all, he's in all, and I'm altogether caught up in him. See, you want the problems to disappear. The problems were given to you to lead you to the promises. Every problem you have is a gateway to more of the promise being fulfilled. Come on. You're praying off your problems and God is saying, no, get distracted by your promises. You will come through your problems like a knife, a hot knife through butter. When you're praising him, when you're worshiping him, when you're adoring him, when you're exalting him, when you're connected to him, there'll be no problem, no weapon fashioned against you could ever prosper if your heart is conditioned in praise. How do we wait well? Well, the first thing we do is keep doing what we know to do. People say to me all the time, you know, Pastor, I don't pray anymore. I think, why? You've got so much wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep praying. It doesn't matter if you don't feel anything. Just keep praying. Oh, Pastor, I don't have any great expectation anymore. Why? The one who started it will finish it. He promised he'll finish it. He, it's not even my words. I'm not promising you. He promised he who began a good work in you will carry it on until it's completed. Oh, pastor, you don't know my life. Okay, let's do comparisons. I don't know how hard your life is, and perhaps if you're honest, you don't know how hard mine is. Don't think because I turn up on a Sunday looking this fabulous, I don't have a problem. Stop it. Stop it. Behind this gorgeous facade (laughs) is a very ordinary broken man. Sometimes I wake up and I think, God, another day, another one. Jesus, come on, you're having a laugh. Another one. I've got people in my life that shouldn't be in my life, and I've got some people who should be in my life who are not in my life. I've got pain. got disappointment I've been hurt I've been bruised I've been rejected I've been abandoned and that was all before I left the house this morning (laughs) but here's the conditioning of the heart this is Simeon's condition I consider these presence temporary suffering nothing in comparison to the glory that awaits us in the future. You get so caught up in the here and now, you need to be distracted by the there and then. 2024 is the year of the open door. Let us wait well. This is the year of breakthrough for some of you. Amen? You know that job you've been after, it's going to be offered to you. It's already started. My daughter was offered a job last week, a better job than she ever had. She didn't even go looking for it. Somebody came looking for her. You're going to be headhunted this year, some of you, because it's the door that God's going to open. And God has set a door before you, an open door, and no man will be able to shut it. But how do we walk towards that door? How do we walk towards 2024, the year of the open door? Well, we can't take disappointment into 2024 because it's been your worst enemy in 2023. 
We can't take disillusionment into 2024 because look what it did to you in 2023. We can't take the pain and the suffering and the obsession we have with trying to make sure that everybody knows how hard my life is into 2024 because all you did was complain and talk about what's wrong with you and what's happened to you and how dreadful it is to you and you think that God is going to bless a complainer. God blesses a praiser. He blesses a praiser. Get away from me. Get out of me. Those words that spill forth from my mouth because what comes out of my mouth will land in my lap. And I want what comes out of my mouth to be praises and thanksgiving and adoration and exaltation to God. Because when 2024 and that open door becomes available to me, I don't know about any of you, but I'm going. I am going. Simeon waited well. He did what he knew was right to do. He acted according to the promise that God made him. He went every day to the temple expectant. And beyond the physical that he did, his heart was open. Do you know why I know that? Because if it wasn't, he wouldn't have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. So he kept his heart well. And now this moment comes. Can you imagine 30 years waiting to see the Messiah? And you're holding him in your arms. The answer is right here. In fact, one version of the Bible says that Simeon held the child against his chest. He was so compelled to draw the child nearer to him that he held his head against his chest. Why his chest? Because when you meet Jesus, he does your heart good. And the presence of Jesus in his arms caused him to sing. And he starts to exalt God and praise God as the Spirit leads him to. But you know, he's doing more than that. He's seeing in this moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, a life that will unfold for Jesus that at this point nobody knew. Look at what he says, verse 31. Sorry, go back to 30. My eyes have seen the one who will save men from the punishment of their sins. Right there in his arms is a baby. No one in a natural way could ever fully appreciate the story of a child's life. One of my favorite things is dedications because when you hold that baby, you don't know and I don't know what great and glorious or even terrible things they will experience in their life. And right there in this moment, Simeon sees by the power of the Holy Spirit the life that Jesus will have and why Jesus has come. And this tiny little baby will be a man one day with a ministry that changes everything in the geography where he lives and more importantly, will save all of mankind from their sins. That's a prophecy and a half. Look at verse 31. You have made him ready in the sight of all nations. What is Simeon saying? He's saying, I thought this could have happened sooner, but God, your timing is perfect. I would have liked this to have happened 20 years ago when I had a bit more zeal or a bit more capacity, but God, right on the dot, you are perfect in your timing. You know your promise? You may have wanted it last week or the week before or 10 years ago, but when he comes and fulfills it, it will be perfect timing. 
the fulfillment of that perfect timing will be that you will be ready and all of the things he needs to orchestrate to accommodate what he wants to do will also be ready for all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Come on, wake up. You're getting tired on me. There's only another three hours to go. Verse 32, this is prophesying over this wonderful baby, saying, you have made him ready to sight of the nations. He will be a light to shine on the people who are not Jews. Do you know, Simeon, in this moment, church, is prophesying over you. 2,000 years after the death of Jesus Christ, you and I have only been allowed into the family and the story of God because of grace. At this point in time, there was an exclusivity to Yahweh. He was the God of the Jews. But Simeon is looking down through history and saying, no, a time will come. In fact, we're here with the evidence of his prayer, the evidence of his prophecy. When the light will shine on the people who are not Jews. He also goes on to say he will be the shining greatness of your people, the Jews. In other words, there'll be a spectacular clarity that comes to the people of Israel regarding him. You know, can I just pause for a moment on that? I believe one of the signs of the return of Jesus is that many Jews will become messianic. We are already seeing lots of Muslims come to faith and we thought that was impossible. Amen? Amen. But when you start seeing, as there is already a case, many coming to faith in Jesus Christ, one of the most beautiful, glorious experiences I ever had was to minister in, in Israel to Messianic Jews, people who had the wealth and the breadth of the Jewish heritage, but also had the freshness and the, and, and the beauty of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And when you look around in the world, you know what's happening in the Middle East? It's about Jews coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Don't get distracted by what the devil is doing. Pay attention to what God is doing. Because God is bringing his people under the messianic rulership of Jesus Christ. Someone say amen to that. I think the Jews would be happy. And he will be a shining greatness to your people, the Jews. Verse 33. Joseph and his mother, Jesus, were surprised. You know, that's a bit of an understatement, isn't it? You're popping along to church after 40 days to dedicate your son do you know, when you look at the whole context of this wonderful story, this Christmas story, one of the consistent, and I'm going to just camp on this for a minute if I can, is that people around Mary and Joseph are prophesying to them about the reality of their son. I want to ask you a question, and it's a question I think is loaded, but it's important to at least consider. Where is prophecy? In the body of Christ. When was the last time you heard God for the first time say something new or fresh to you? The Bible says in John 10:10, My sheep shall hear my voice. Now I know that you read the Bible and I know that you engage with the Word of God and I hope that you pray and I can see that you worship. But you know what you need also? You need a rhema word from God. And you know what we need, the church in the West? We need God to speak. You see, left to our own devices, we will presume the outcomes. 
We will just go through the motions of doing what we already know to do and there'll be nothing fresh about that. You and I were created to hear the voice of God. What's remarkable about Christianity is not that we speak to God. What's remarkable about Christianity is that God speaks to his people. And God knows exactly what you need. God knows exactly where you are and God knows exactly how to get you to where he would like you to be. You need a word from God. You need a rhema word from God. But the problem is, church, our hearts. <laughs> you see, if they're dulled by disappointment or disillusionment, God could be speaking and he is speaking all the time, but it doesn't mean I'll be able to hear. My heart can be deaf to the voice of the Spirit sometimes. I'm absolutely convinced in 2024, the year of the open door, have I said that enough for you to get it? Okay, that we're going to start to see something wonderful happen in the Holy Spirit. Now, while we're amening, let me tell you, because it doesn't look great. We've only got 10 days or whatever it is. <laughs> Can you hear what I'm saying? In the natural, it doesn't look great. But I'm not looking in the natural. I have been given by God an ability to see in the supernatural. The Bible calls it the eyes of my heart. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, if I walked by sight, I'd have given up a long time ago. Because sometimes what you see is contrary to what you know. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And when you know that you know that you know, it doesn't matter what you see. And it doesn't matter what people say. And it doesn't matter what people think. Because you know. And you need to know. As you step into 2024, you need to know. You need to hear from God. You need a word from the Lord. Now, how many of us are in the room? 200 so? God wants to speak to you. I don't know who you are, where you are, what you, what's going on in your life, but I know that God wants to speak to you. And when he speaks, the Bible says of his voice, it's the sound of many rushing waters. It will bring soothing and refreshing and life to your soul. Does anybody want God to speak? But the thing we need to remember is when God speaks, it has a power attached to it. His word will not return to him void, but will accomplish what he has set it out to do. And there lies the problem, because we think we know what he set it out to do. And what we have to do is be humble and gracious and curious and flexible and say, God, you have spoken. Help me understand fully what you're inviting me to. I don't want to walk in presumption that I know the outcome of what God wants for me. I want God to lead me by his spirit. The other thing we need to do when we get a word from God is not park it at the back of your Bible. Take it out and begin to ask questions. When Mary was told that she would conceive a child to be the son of God, she said, how can this be? It's a great set of words. Begin to ask questions. Get into conversation with the Father who delights to show you and reveal to you his great plan for your life. And fourthly, when God speaks to you, and he's going to speak to all of us in this room at some point over these next few weeks, you will not understand initially what he's saying. It will not make sense 
logically to you. But that's okay. Because look what logic did to you. You might want to trade up in 2024. Everything I know about God is this. God is mystery. And so when I walk in presumption because I've done this forever, I miss the mystery attached to his nature. And so I have to be curious and prayerful and humble and available and ask all these questions. And as I begin to ask, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door, the door. Where's the door? The door to 2024 shall be opened to you. Simeon goes on now from the majestic prophecy of salvation, the redemption of Israel, the Gentiles coming to know Jesus Christ, which is outrageous. The Jews returning back to the realities of God. Look at verse 34. Simeon honored them and said to Mary, the mother of Jesus, See, this child will make many people fall and many people rise in the Jewish nation. What is he saying? Jesus has come to divide. You see, Jesus divides every room. You're either in or you're out. Can you hear me? You're either for him or against him. This living in indecision has got to stop. In the book of Revelation it says, because you were neither hot nor cold, I spewed you forth from my mouth. God would rather, therefore, that you were either against him than be half-hearted about him. And when Simeon is prophesying over the Jewish nation, he's saying that there's going to be this rude awakening as much as there's going to be a great awakening to the house of Israel. Because people who think they're okay are going to find out they're not. And those who thought they had no hope are going to find out they do. Jesus divides every room he stands in. <clears throat> you either love him or you don't. You either want and follow him or you're not. And don't be fooled, you know. A double-minded man or woman, here's the evidence, is unstable. In other words, they're not spiritually progressing. We're in. We love Jesus. We're out on a Tuesday because the gospel came. We love God because the pastor was quick. We dislike God because the pastor was too long. You and I, you and I. Oh. Don't worry. It's fine. Leave it. It's fine. Don't be distracted by it. You and I have to make our mind up. Are you following Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Oh, oh, please don't tell me you're doing the best you can. Because every human heart can say that. You see, there lies the problem. You can't do this. You need God to help you love God. You need God's love to love him back. You can't do this. I think as you step over to 2024, it's time to make your mind up. Let those who are for me be for me, says the Lord. 
because you can't walk half-heartedly into a, a moment of invitation and expect the outcome to change. Choose you this day whom you shall serve. As for me and my house, we've looked at all the options, by the way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord Almighty. Jesus is not here to appease you. He's here to save you. You see, we have this fake grace in church sometimes. You know, and here's how we get confused. God loves everyone, and of course he does. And we accept everyone because, of course, God accepts everyone. He died for everyone. Now listen to me carefully. But we don't accept everything. And it's no longer a game we can play whenever we're one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom of God. It's time to decide because Jesus has come today to divide the room. You're either in or you're out. And the greatest gift of all is that you can be in like that. All you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. This child will make many people fall, but he also will make many people rise in the Jewish nation. He will be spoken against. And this is Mary now to her personally as a mother. A sword will cut through your soul. By this, the thoughts of many hearts will be understood. Simeon does the salvation story, prophesies the full redemption of God across the Jewish nation, the Gentiles, speaks to Mary about the suffering and the pain that she will experience and God who sees who's in and knows who's out and tells us that this baby is the answer to every single thing that he had hoped and dreamed and prayed for. And now he's ready to go. His eyes have seen the Lord. Stand with me, please. Let's just close our eyes for a moment. If you want to make your commitment to Jesus afresh today, or maybe for the first time, I want to be sure that I give you the opportunity to do that. In a few moments, I will pray, and I will ask you to respond in your heart, and maybe even pray out loud if you can, your response to Jesus. It's time to make up your mind. It's time to decide who you will live with and who you will live for. If you're waiting for a promise from God to be fulfilled, why don't you just lift your hands before you? And here's what we're going to pray. Lord God, help us to wait well. Help us to be like Simeon, to be faithful, to come every day into your presence to do what we can do, to be ready for all that you want to do. 
Lord, help our hearts to stay true to you and your promise. Not to become hard or jaded or cynical or resentful because that which you promised us didn't happen overnight. <coughs> your promises are yes. And every day we have to wake up and say amen. In fact, every moment of every day we have to say amen. And as we worship you and praise you, you condition our hearts to stay alive and to stay connected to who you are and all that you've spoken. I pray 2024, <coughs> the year of the open door, will see many fulfillments, just as Simeon sees here. Many fulfillments to the promises of God. Why don't you pray about that? As I step across the threshold of this year, whether it's been good, bad, or completely ugly, I want my heart to be ready. I want my heart to be open. I want my heart to be soft. As I step into 2024, I want to hear from you, God. I long to hear your voice. Speak, O oh God. Your servants are listening. And Father God, if our hearts have become deafened by pain or discomfort or Lord, will you breathe life on them now? Come, Holy Spirit. Everything that Simeon experienced was under the power of the Holy Spirit. We can experience new life under the power of the Holy Spirit. Make Jesus alive in our hearts. And Lord, those who need to make up their mind, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would come again in your goodness, in your mercy, in your kindness, and you would restore your people to yourself. Let us pray this together. Lord Jesus, I rededicate my life to you. I'm so sorry that I've grown distant, or maybe at times even cold. Because your love is perfect. I don't know what I was thinking about. Or where else I thought I could go. Only you, Jesus, can satisfy. And so I turn. From my double-mindedness, I turn. From my waywardness. And I rededicate my life to you, Jesus. Come afresh into my heart. Come and touch me, Lord, in the deepest parts and make this love relationship with you fully alive. In Jesus' name, amen. And now, Lord, as we go into our week, and it'll be busy, I'm sure. It's always busy, but even busier this time of year. I pray that we'd make room and space for you every day. That you would not be crowded out by all the activities, the parties, the celebrations, and those things we think we need to do, the preparations. Lord Jesus, find a resting place, a dwelling place in me. And where the Spirit of God lives like that, there is joy, there is freedom, there is life, there is hope, there is peace. There is mercy. 
And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We will see you hopefully Saturday. Saturday, yes, for the Christmas fair. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful week.